Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading. We thank you, Lord God, for the Word of God. Thank you that Jesus said that every man shall live by the Word of God. And Lord, not in our understanding only, Lord, but to ask you for your counsel. And we say grace, grace unto us. Grace, grace unto the Word of God. And we say that the blessings come from the earth. And we speak to the blessings. We say, spring up. O waters, spring up and let it flow. Spring up and give us the blessing God has promised us. Amen. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. We thank you, Lord, for today's reading, May 26. 2 Samuel 9, 1 says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? the king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephiphoshet. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to you, to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belongs to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, to produce food for your, your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Siva had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Siva replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Siva's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hanan became king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanan, their master, Do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? 
No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they came, so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell them, Stay at Jericho until your beard have grown up, and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their parents. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, they sent and hired 20,000 Armenian foot soldiers from the lands of Beth-Rehab and Soba, 1,000 from the king of Maka, and 12,000 from the land of Tob. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonites' troops came out and drew up their battle lines at the entrance of the city gate. Well, while the Armenians from Soba and Rehob and the men from Tob and Maka positioned themselves to fight in the open fields. When Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, he chose some of Israelite elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Armenians in the fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother Abishai, who was to attack the Ammonites. If the Armenians are too strong for me, then come over and help me, Joah told his brother. And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will come and help you. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people in the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. <clears throat> when Joab and his troops attacked, the Armenians began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Armenians running, they ran from Abishai and retreated into the city. After the battle was over, <clears throat> Joab returned to Jerusalem. The Armenians now realized that they were no match for Israel, so when they regrouped, they were joined by additional Armenian troops summoned by Hadassir from the other side of the Euphrates River. These troops arrived at Helam under the command of Shobak, the commander of Hadadiser's forces. When David heard what was happening, he mobilized all Israel crossed the Jordan River, and led the army to Helam, the Armenians positioned themselves in battle, formation, and fought against David. But again the Armenians fled from the Israelites. This time David's forces killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers, including Shobak, the commander of the army. When all the kings and allies with Hadak saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they surrendered to Israel and became their subjects. After that, the Armenians were afraid to help the Ammonites. Chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonites' army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, 
the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I am pregnant. <clears throat> then David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army was getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, Go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guards. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked him, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? <clears throat> Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open field. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guards. So the next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fierce, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joah sent a battle report to David. He told his, his messenger, Report all the news of the battle to the king, but he might get angry and ask, Why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know they were, would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech son of Gideon killed at Tebes by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why should you get so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. <clears throat> so the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said, and as we chased them back into the city gate, the archers of the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Job not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Amen. Let's find out what we can talk about. It's interesting how much real estate uh, Mephibosheth got 
in addition to kindness and he restored them all that his grandpa had owned and then he ate like one of his own kings and his son it seems like that's the way God restores us he, we are being restored because of Jesus if we would have it if we would ask for it if we would say yes to his promises and yes we would have it and yes we got it and we are enjoying it the uh, loving kindness the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ given to us for our Father in Heaven And it wasn't just Jonathan that he was being loyal to, but it was also the King Nahash's uh, son who also he was loyal to. And he, he got a bunch of servants, all the crops back, <clears throat> and people working for him. Boy, he was fixed up really good. Mm-hmm. And he had a son named Micah. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Even though he was lame from his feet, he could still have uh, children. And then um, we move on, and it says right here, in the spring of the year, the kings would normally go out to war. David, David was, uh, he, wasn't he was look, he looking over the palace. I guess he was able to look down on roofs of other houses. And he was, uh, what do you call it, peeping, uh, peeping, peeping Tom. Tom. And he was turned on about this girl, and he wanted her, and he wanted her badly, and he brought her over, got her pregnant. You know, the king can do anything right here, but the note says that his heart became callous, and he didn't, uh, you wouldn't think, if you read it, you wouldn't think it would be uh, David doing mm-hmm. this kind of thing, no. you know. You know, the power got to him. And even the way he tells Joab, kind of like, you know, uh, keep fighting tomorrow, fight harder, and conquer the city. The sword devours one this day and tomorrow. It's like saying, you, uh, you know, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Didn't have any sensitivity. You know, the final thing in this, this, what we just read, it says, Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. You know, you read all about David, and the Lord was powerful, and he had victory because the Lord was clearly with him. But now he's, you know, sinned against the Lord, and the Lord is not pleased at all. That's where we leave off. Would you like to read uh, John? Sure. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 27. I, Jesus, am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, 
you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, okay, my words remain in you, you may ask anything. You want and it will be granted. Amen. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as you I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Amen. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life with one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, remember that they hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than than the master. Since the, they persecuted me naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if they had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I, if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, that no one else could do. They would not be guilty, but as it is, they have seen everything I did, and they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what this was written in the scriptures. They hated me without a cause. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and testify all about me. And you must also testify about the about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I like the word where it says, You are now my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Mm-hmm. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to produce lasting fruit. I appointed you. I appointed you. You have a, a 
you have a job you have you're been appointed from the foundations of the earth amen to proclaim his name and then yes you will be filled i have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy yes your joy will overflow amen. this is my commandment love each other in the same way i have loved you amen. there is no greater love than to one lays one life for one friends you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now he's saying right here in essence that if you do my work, you will be overflowed with joy by getting people saved, getting them healed, and, and pushing the kingdom of God. You will rejoice and your love will increase for each other. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands or when you obey my love, we, my teachings, you remain in my love just Amen. as I obey my Father's teachings. In other words, if you're obedient, the product is love. The reward is love. So we're in obedient when we're praying for others, witnessing, yes. uh-huh. doing kind things. You know, you know. I always experience that love he's talking about. Because we do give love to unconditionally to people. But if you, number seven, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything, anything you want. Amen. And it will be granted. Granted. Anything. You don't have to pay it back. Granted. Amen. I I like the way, you know, I think the message here is he wants us to get the message that we got to remain in him. And he remains in us. Okay. It says, uh, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And again, yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Okay. And then he goes off to say, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. But if you remain in me, okay, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. So it's just a theme here. We got to remain in the the love of the Father. We got to remain in Him, in His words. You know the words it says over here. Um, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, these are the words. This Bible here has the words that we operate our life on that brings us success so we will have fruitfulness in our lives, whether it's saving a soul and ministering to others where you're planting seeds and then it becomes fruitfulness because you're obedient to the Father with love, as you indicated. But at the same time, you know, fruitfulness is also I'll prosper you in the things, your desires, your heart. You know, I'll, um, you'll have good health. You know, you'll have a fruitful life, a fruitful marriage, fruitful kids. Um, if you remain in Him and use the Word of God. And um, it's just great. I, you know, remain in my love. Remain, you know, in me. And then you'll have that joy. Amen. 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 You go ahead and read the uh, read the Psalms, please. It says, "Focus your mind and heart on the promises of the Lord. 
Honor God with a promise to obey His words. Psalm 119, 49 and 64. Go ahead. And remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. The proud hold me in utter contempt, but I do not turn away from your instructions. I meditate on your age-old regulations. O Lord, they comfort me. I become furious with the wicked because they reject your instructions. Your decrees have been the theme of my songs whenever I have lived. I reflect at night on who you are, O Lord. Therefore, I obey your instructions. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. With all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised. I ponder the direction of my life, and I turn to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I'm firmly anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I am a friend to anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. O Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. Amen. Proverbs 16, 1-3 We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Amen. Amen. That's incredible. We acknowledge the Lord in all our ways and run things through Him. Right. And He approves of them. Our plans will succeed. Amen. Amen. Good job.